Welcome to EtherCast, the companion podcast to EtherGame. I'm Christopher Burris for the EtherGame Brain Trust. It's 2020, folks, and EtherGame has just about completed a year's worth of episodes. Today we're going to take a look back at some of our favorite stories and music from EtherCast in 2019. It's a review of the EtherGame Brain Trust's top five EtherCasts. Number one, from our first episode on concert etiquette, why is silence the cardinal rule? We heard music from German composer Diedrich Buxtehude. I love his Sonata in F, that's Books WV269. It's so full of energy, but I also thought that this piece really captured the spirit of Ethergame and Ethercast, which is to provide this music in a setting in which it's been infused with the anecdotes that surround its creation. Listen back to a bit of the episode. We'll recall why this piece by Buxtehude is more than just enjoyable to listen to. The church did actually become one of the first places where the public could hear music for music's sake. In Lübeck, Germany, at St. Mary's Church, a group of local businessmen paid church musicians to give a series of performances on Sunday evenings called Abendmusik, or evening music. They were free to the public and devoid of liturgical function. Anybody could come sit and listen to an hour of free music. This is a sonata by Diedrich Buxtehude. Buxtehude was an organist at St. Mary's for 40 years, and his music was undoubtedly featured in the Abendmusik concerts. He's responsible for expanding the variety of music featured, from just organ and vocal music to full-on orchestral performances and oratorios. It's fascinating to listen to this and imagine it as some of the first live music that the general public in Lübeck could listen to for its own sake, no religious caveats, no financial constraints. How did these audiences react? Did the reverence of the church as the performance venue keep people quiet, as it would have today? Apparently not, because though the Abendmusik concerts continued into the early 19th century, disorderly conduct was an occasional problem, so much so that the financial backers of the concert series contemplated charging admission to cull the audience of those who weren't serious about listening to music. Next, and number two, music by a not-so-well-known composer from our episode on famous classical music duels. That was Cleopatra, Was ist der liebe Brausch, by Johann Matheson. The background of this work humanizes both the men involved, so much about the composer's early life can get lost to history, but this episode makes me imagine Handel and Matheson, two young friends and professionals, probably with gigantic egos, surrounded by the dramatic world of opera at this point in their lives. 
And so to resolve their own differences, they turn to something as dramatic as the stories they write music for. Let's listen back. Coming in at number three, a true squabble between BFFs, George Frederick Handel dueled his friend and fellow composer Johann Matheson over Matheson's opera Cleopatra. We're currently listening to some music from that opera. The story goes that Handel and Matheson were both pit musicians at the Hamburg Opera House. Handel was 18, Matheson was 23, and when it came time to perform Matheson's Cleopatra, Handel decided that he didn't want to give up playing the harpsichord and wouldn't budge from his seat. Being his own opera, Matheson was personally offended and challenged Handel to a duel. Rumor has it that Handel's life was only spared because a metal button on his vest deflected a sword blow from Matheson, after the two reconciled and remained lifelong friends. For number three, see if you can remember this triumphant theme. The majestic, maestoso theme from Sasson's Organ Symphony. The Why Should You Listen episodes of EtherCast are some of the hardest to write because I try not to focus too much on the analytical aspects of a piece of music. I never wanted this to be a music theory podcast. And so I think the organ symphony is a piece of music that you can find layers of history and interest in without delving too deeply into music theory. Let's listen back as to why. All of this is to say that by the time audiences heard Saint-Saëns' symphonic theme, this melody and chord progression were already floating around in the collective music culture of Europeans and Americans. And because of its centuries-old association with the Ave Maria and the Deus Irae, there might have been a sense of familiarity or an innate attraction to the symphonic theme and its chord progression. Why is this symphony worth listening to? It's a rare example of a piece of music whose melody continues to keep echoing through history in various forms, and defining it that way opens up all sorts of even more fascinating questions about our own preferences for certain melodies and chord progressions as a community of music lovers, and what we decide to preserve over the passage of time. For our penultimate selection, see if you can remember this quaint little melody. That allegro was played on the Haydn Niemich mechanical organ clock. Let's listen back as to why this fascinating machine is more than just your average clock. Now obviously this doesn't sound the same as if it were an audio recording of Haydn actually playing his music, 
and the expressive articulation of the music is pretty much non-existent uh, from the organ. But it does solve that question of tempo that we had earlier. We know that Haydn was present as this machine was being built and completed, and so he would have had control over how fast or slow it played his music. That's why this machine carries at least, in principle, the same kind of authenticity as an audio recording. The Haydn Niemich organ doesn't give us an exact replication of Haydn performing his own music, but it does give us a version of the performance that Haydn would have heard himself and approved of, and that makes these otherwise quaint little pieces more exciting and historically significant than you might expect. I had a chance to see that organ in 2019 at the Spielklok Museum in the Netherlands, and it played just like in this recording. I have to admit, I did get goosebumps watching it play. It's like seeing Bach's harpsichord or Mozart's forte piano, these immensely famous figures who really only exist now through something immaterial, their music, and then suddenly their humanity is made real to you when you stand in front of an object that they themselves had worked with. Lastly, from an early episode, but one that inspired the creation of Ethercast, the Casio keyboard of the 18th century, the Viennese Forte Piano. This is still one of my favorite episodes. I love drawing connections between things that are technological advancements and objects in history that contain the spirit or concept of that innovation. The mechanical drum machine on the Viennese Forte Piano is a great example. Now, the idea of a keyboard instrument with changing voices was nothing new in the 18th century. Harpsichords and organs were already being built with special pipes and levers so that they could sound like guitars or trumpets. But the built-in drum machine, that's a curious new development. On the Viennese Forte piano, it was called the Janissary pedal. It was controlled by the foot. There were other levers for the knees on some models. And when the pedal was pressed, it would engage a small bell and a bass drum. The sound was supposed to imitate Janissary parade music. Janissaries were Turkish soldiers who occasionally found themselves parading through Vienna as the Austrian Empire fought various wars with the Ottoman Empire over the course of the 18th century. The frequent interactions with the Turks started a bit of a fad in the upper class in Austria for what came to be called the Turkish style, a kind of Orientalism that wound its way through fashion and art and music. Haydn, Beethoven, Mozart, many famous composers of the day all wrote pieces that used the Turkish style. Mozart even set one of his operas at a Turkish harem, in this chorus from Abduction from the Seraglio, you can hear Mozart imitating the drums and the bells heard in the Janissary Parade Bands. And that's the Ethercast 2019 review, folks. Stay with us for more to come in 2020. I'm Christopher Burris for the Ether Game Brain Trust. Join me on Tuesday nights at 8 o'clock on WFIU for our classical music trivia quiz, Ether Game. You might just win a prize. Thanks for listening. <laughs>